So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all want to create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we want to do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. All right, welcome everybody. It is Friday, April 3rd. If you're just joining us, uh, we got a little technical difficulty, but you know, these days that seems to be the normal. If you don't have a, a dog barking in the background of your Zoom session or on Facebook or a cat coming up real close or a baby uh, crying in the background, you're probably not having a normal day in, uh, in today's environment. So welcome to the show uh, this week in housing. I'm Tom Ferry and I'm excited that you're checking in. The purpose of this show is to keep people informed on a national level, uh, what's happening with residential real estate. So if you're watching this and whether you're an agent or you're a consumer that your agent sent this to you, by the way, that's a good thing. Uh, that means that that agent's doing an excellent job keeping you and the community informed on what's happening right now in housing. Um, today, we're gonna talk about mortgages and we're talking about home loans and we're gonna talk about the impact of some of the things that are happening right now in our country. So I thought it would be important to bring in some experts. So I've asked Steve Harney, who is the founder of Keeping Current Matters and his partner, David Childers, between the two of them, probably 45, 60 years, I'm trying to add it up in my head here, uh, both residential real estate brokerage, as well as mortgage and finance. Um, it is arguably, one of the big questions right now. We're gonna talk about forbearance. We're gonna talk about what's happening with loans. Are they working? Are they not working? So first of all, guys, uh, I know we ran a little bit late there. Thank you for, uh, for dealing with our little technical difficulty and thanks for joining us on the show. So good afternoon. You're so good much a better Thank person you. than I am, Tom, because I would have blamed it on Zoom or somebody. I would have said, oh, they must be overloaded on that platform. You're so much nicer than I am. Well, there's a, there's a pretty good chance that they're doing it, but I think we're all we're all going. <laughs> you know, today's today's new norm is you know you might have some technical difficulties. So, right. David, okay. welcome, uh, David, also welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. I agree with you. I, I'm sitting here in in my house, but uh, all of those things are happening every day. Absolutely. So, you know, we want to we want to keep this short and impactful for the viewers today. Mm -hmm. um, so, again, I want to thank you guys in advance for taking the time out of your business schedules. I know you're doing hundreds of these, uh, you know, all over the place right now. So let's let's get right into it. Last week, we had talked about the changes in FHA and FICA scores, uh, non-QM uh, mortgages, as well as jumbo mortgages. Um, can you guys just maybe start with just any updates from FHA or non-QM that we need to know about today? Sure. But before we get started, Tom, I just want everyone on a call to know, mortgage people, and that's what David is for many, many years. He was the vice president or one of the leaders of one of those four big banks. And uh, they talk mortgagees. And so he's going to be talking in mortgagees. We talk in realtorese. And they're kind of a lot, it's very similar language. But I would suggest to, to <laughs> I suggested to David, if today he could just speak in regular English so yeah. that the people can not only can understand what we're saying, but also be able to share it easily with their consumer. All right. Because so, we do sometimes get caught up in our own, you know, you know, LTV and what they had a margin call and, and, yeah. and everyone's going, well, why, what is he talking about? So yeah. we're going to try to really simplify it so that I can understand it. 
Perfect. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. Steve and I talked about this, Tom, you and I were talking right before this call. And, and let's talk about the three products we talked about. When we talk about products or loans. Um, the first being non-QM and think of that um, as non-traditional financing. These are loans that fit outside of the traditional channel of of what uh, mortgage loans are, maybe self-employed borrowers, folks that may have a unique financial uh, situation. And they are right now, as we speak, they are on the sidelines. They are not available. Um, I can't say how long, but I do know, one thing we do know about the past is this market comes back. And each time after a crisis or after something that's uh, happened, it's come back. And so right now, unless your lender uh, has a solution for you in this area, I would say that isn't an option. And Steve and I were talking before, you, you know, one of the things that I would encourage anybody on this call, whether you're a top producing agent or a consumer watching this is talk to your lender because they may say, I have an option there. But what we see across the country is that that non-traditional loan, that what's called a non-QM loan in our business is gone for right now. All right, and for, for, for the realtors out there uh, that are listening and maybe for the consumers, non-QM, you know, what does that really mean? Basically, ladies and gentlemen, what happened is 2008, we were given a lot of loans to people that shouldn't have gotten a loan, all right? And then the, the, right after the housing crash, everything got really, really, really tight. So there was actually times during 2010, 2011, that really good people with good jobs, which just didn't fit the tight criteria that came into place. And what investors, some investors said, you know what, we'll, we'll go ahead and finance those loans. And they started with, you have to put 25% down so that they're protected. Then they said, you know, the housing market's doing pretty good. You only have to put down 20%. You know what, the housing market's doing so good, let's do yours with 15%. It just kept on getting more and more that it wasn't a special type, type of loan. And so what wind up taking place, they were doing those loans. As soon as things got a little bit nervous over the last couple of weeks about what was happening. Those investors just decided, you know what? Now's not the time for me to be in that business. And it seemed like they all pulled out together. I was talking to a loan officer on Monday. I'm actually a person who handles a pretty big mortgage entity. Uh, and what he said to me, oh no, we still have that. And I said, well, really? Because that's not what I'm hearing. I said, 30 days ago, how many places did you have? How many investors did you have to go and give that loan to? that would fund that loan so somebody could buy a house. He said, well, about 21. I said, how many you have today? He said, three. I said, how many do you think you're gonna have tomorrow? He goes, one's already shaky. So yeah. what's happening is they're disappearing slowly so that you might have a loan officer that might have some money, but he might not even have it tomorrow. Okay, so I, yeah. I want people to understand that, that that whole element is kind of disappearing. And I didn't mean to take it away from you, David, go ahead. No, 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 and, and that, that's such a big point. Um, so let's talk FHA for a minute. So these are, when you think about an FHA loan, a lower loan amount, lower down payment, uh, and there's been a lot of talk about credit scores and the requirements for FHA loan. And so I, I wanna address that and, and, and say that here's what's happening right now. Lenders are changing their credit score requirements for FHA because of the risk they see, the risk of default, meaning somebody would not make their payment. In the industry, what this is, start, is referred to as risk-based pricing. 
So the lower your credit score goes down, the more it's going to cost. So um, I'll give you an example. Um, Steve and I were on uh, with a lender last night until gosh, 9.30 or 10 o'clock, a large mortgage company owner. And they were saying people in their market were looking at FHA loans at lower credit scores, meaning uh, the low 600s, but it would cost 16 points to originate the loan. So if you think about 16 points on a $100,000 loan, that would be $16,000. So if somebody says, yeah, I can do that. Um, yeah, for $16,000, you can do that all day long. So the, the reality, and even today, uh, I talked with another lender this afternoon, they're seeing lenders that will not take that. They're not offering that. So higher credit score requirements um, because of the, the chance for risk. And so, so right now, I think if you have an FHA loan, if you're um, uh, in process in, in buying a home, or if you're a realtor and you have somebody you're working with is in process, talk to your loan officer about what are the credit requirements. And you may need to go back in and, and pre-qualify again, or talk about what, what do we need to do? What do we need to change? Um, what based on my scenario may change because of that? So that's FHA. And I made a mistake last week, uh, Tom. I said that the FICO score went from 580 to 680. And really, the FHA has not changed their credit score. It's still 580. But there's no mortgage entities that are willing to do a loan at 580 right. anymore. Yeah. So they overlaid their requirements on top of the FHA and said, you have to go to 680. And again, as David said, you might be able to get a loan a little bit less expensive than that. But um, you know, in regard, you might be able to get a loan with a lesser FICO score than that. But you're going to you know, pay up for that. Now, the, the particular home uh, buyer on a particular house, they might be willing to do it. But it seems to be a little bit, you know, they, they, I want them to understand that they're going to have to pay up if, you know, they don't have the right credit. Yeah. yeah. So, gentlemen, I just want to interrupt for a second. Um, sure. For all my listeners out there that are with us live, we're talking with uh, David Childers and Steve Harney from Keeping Current Matters. We're talking about mortgages. We're in the update conversation from last week. Today, we're going to be talking about also some insights on uh, jumbo loans, and we're going to talk about forbearance, right? Two sort of pressing issues right now for a lot of agents and consumers. Um, the one thing I'm going to stress to all my agent friends that are watching this is, you know, if you're working with a buyer today and they've, they've got a lender that they love, it's important that we're helping. It's important that you're reaching out and making sure that you've got additional resources because the frightening thing is you get down to the wire and suddenly you're told, oh, we're not doing that loan anymore. Right. So this is really about making sure people are well taken care of and informed. And I know as a part of my community, you know, we've been talking about this now for over a week. So just want to reiterate that point. So, um, David and Steve, I want to I want to talk about Jumbo for a second, because yep. last week we basically said, you know, hey, FHA is changing. Uh, FICA scores are changing. Non-QM is going away and Jumbo mortgages. So so bring us up to speed on what's going on with the Jumbo market right now. Sure, sure. So let's let's talk jumbo mortgages just for a minute. Let's talk in some some general terms. That means different things across the country and in different markets. If you take a market like I'm in here, Tom, in Virginia, um, that may be five hundred thousand dollars and above. Take a market where you're at, Tom, in Southern California, that may be seven hundred and fifty thousand and above. So depending on your market, it means a little bit different thing, but. I'll say this, a large percentage of lenders that offer jumbo mortgages across the country are pulling back in that category. There are still jumbos out there, 
Um, but there are a lot less. Steve gave an example earlier. There are a lot less today than where there where we were 30 days ago. And it's safe to say they're getting stricter and stricter at what they'll even look at. So let's talk just a minute about what if you have a, a jumbo deal in the market right now? Because I think that's 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 something worth worth kind of going uh, deeper on. My coaching, and Tom, you're so good with the words here, is first go to your lender and ask this. What is your plan for jumbos? What is your plan? And listen to what they have to say, because they may say, we're cooking right along. It's going to vary from lender to lender, but find out what their plan is. You may end up in a situation where somebody says, you know, we don't have access to that capital. So Let's talk just a little bit about if you find yourself in that situation, what you can do. So the first thing you can do is get creative. We talked about this last week, looking at high balance loans. Maybe if you're buying a home in the jumbo category, putting a little bit more money down so that you get your loan below that threshold. You can also look uh, with your lender for what's called, you know, in the business subordinate financing or taking on a second, maybe usually with a, a smaller community bank um, in, in being able to do that. So there are things you can do when you get creative. You also, um, if you have a client that's a high net worth client, um, you'll want to have a conversation or they'll want to have a conversation with their bank. And I'll say this, their asset profile will oftentimes in this market help them obtain that financing where the bank is more motivated to lend that money to them. All right. So wait a second. We went back into the mortgage ease talk right here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. So let's get their asset profile. What David's saying, if they have a million dollars in the bank, they have $500,000 in the bank, they can go to their bank and say, I need a mortgage. And they're probably going to get it because they don't want you to move the million dollars over to some other bank. So the asset portfolio is your cash that the bank is holding on to. And if you have a situation where you have a relationship with a bank in any big numbers, they probably will do something for you, but they wouldn't do something from someone coming from the outside that they don't know. Yeah. Steve, could, Steve, would you shed some light from your experience on, because David, David really used some of the stuff that I would say from a language standpoint, any other insights on sort of creative approaches for these jumbo transactions, these you know, uh, higher end transactions? Well, I think that I think that David's going to do one more. I'll I'll go now. That I want David. I want you were talking to me last night, and, and the, the gentleman we were talking to, who was probably you know, the best guy in the business, the uh, he was giving us an option with it, like a second mortgage. But I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to let you cover that, David. Sure. But what I would be doing is, you know, I really do believe that you know the adage that we use here all the time, you know, tell the truth and trust their intelligence. So it, you know, you, it depends on the deal. If a buyer really, really wants to buy that house, can he come up with the extra cash to bring the jumbo mortgage into a regular mortgage? All right. Or if the seller really, really wants to sell and they got the right buyer, are they willing to do some sort of adjustment there in order to get the deal done so they can get into a mortgage they can do? All right. Uh, and probably, you know, if, if it's a deal they both want, you might be able to get some negotiation on both ends of it. So that's your ability. I know you do great negotiating class. I think you did one on Tuesday. That's your ability to negotiate. If you, if, in the first thing to a negotiation is really understanding what the person on the other side of the table, in this case, the other side of the screen, on the screen, the person on the screen, what do they really want? 
If you can get down to really what they want, then you're in a position to say, if that's that important to you, what are you willing to pay for that? Well, what I really want is my kids to grow up in this school district. What I really want is to be able to look out on the ocean like Tom Ferry every night. Whatever it is that they want, if that's a strong need, in, they'll pay more for that. And if the seller has a need where I have to get out of here, you know, I just don't want to be here anymore. Uh, you know, newly divorced and my wife lives next door with her new husband. I need to go. <laughs> if that's the case, then maybe they'll be willing to negotiate some. So uh, again, you know, you, you have great agents and, and I'm not talking about holding anything over anybody's head. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying really truly understand the needs of both the buyer and seller and sit down with them and have a truly honest conversation. Listen, it's a shame this happened and it's a shame it happened right now, but it did. So now we have to go on from there. All right. And, uh, I, and I think a lot of people understand the world's kind of changing right now. So, it, you know, they'll give you the, you know, the sellers out there, if there's sellers or buyers out there, if I'm talking to any consumers directly, just be a little patient here because the whole world is kind of a different place than it was, you know, 21 days ago. And everyone's trying to figure that out. Yeah. Right. So that's the advice I would give there. Now, David, you have a little bit more creative way that they might be able to do something. Well, I think the, yeah, going back to that, Steve, you listed out a lot. And, and I said, you know, we started this out to go to a lender and say, what's your plan? If I'm looking at that, I'm going, okay, how do I exhaust my resources? And we talked about high balance. Like, can we put more money down to get below the threshold and, and access a loan product? We, we can talk to someone about, is there a small community bank that will take on a second, in this case, subordinate financing? Or thirdly, do I have a banking relationship that will allow me the opportunity to get financing? Let me give you an example of that. Uh, and I'll, I'll use a uh, specific bank, uh, Bank of America and Merrill Lynch. Merrill Lynch is owned by Bank of America. You're high net worth or you have a Merrill Lynch account. That's, that's a conduit to go in. That's certainly one. There are many, many others of those. But my, my advice right there would be, what is my strategy to exhaust my options to move forward here? Um, I think that's what this market needs. It's what all of us are going to be looking for. It's what great agents are going to do. And it's what we need to, you know, be able to, to, to kind of attack this problem with. And, and another thing I'll, I'll add to that too, is another strategy is what, who filled that void somewhat in the, uh, you know, 2010, you know, when it was like, all right, we're not doing any more of that. There's no more, you know, the situation. Sometimes there's a local bank that might be like saying, all right, fine. We have some deposits that we might be able to invest in a local piece of property that someone's purchasing and they might have whatever they have in assets. And you might be able to tap into that in, from a local source and maybe be able to do some loans through that process also, because that's something now I will just warn, you know, the agents on this call to warn the consumer, the speed at which, at which those banks work is a lot different. So they're going to ask for every single piece of pay and you're going to have to do it 14 times. And you, so if you, if you can find a relationship with it like that, then you want to just educate you to consumer is like, this is a little bit different and it's going to take a little bit longer. But again, the bottom line is how important is it for you to buy that house? How important is it for you to sell that house? Uh, and that will have a, a determining factor on that. Yeah. Hey, it's Tom. 
If you've been listening to me for a while, you've heard me say repeatedly over and over again, we are living in the review economy. That's right. Consumers are making decisions based upon reviews. With that said, I'm looking to get this podcast into the minds of more amazing people just like you. You can help. Would you go to Apple Podcasts and write a review? Tell them what you think. Hey, one star, five stars, make up your own number of stars. Totally fine by me, but please go to Apple Podcast and write a review. It means the world to me. Thanks in advance. Now, let's get back to the show. Excellent. All right, guys, let's talk about the big one right now, especially with uh, the stimulus package, the CARES Act now um, forbearance is on the minds of a lot of people. And I know you guys have some some opinions and insights here. So I, I'd like to hear from you both and I certainly will share mine as well. So David, help us understand it and, and maybe some of the mistakes to avoid. Yeah, absolutely. So Tom, you and I were talking before this. I want to talk just a minute about something people may be hearing in our business right now about servicing and how it relates to that. And then let's talk about uh, forbearance. So servicing, what is servicing? It's literally when we write the check each month or you pay your mortgage each month, that goes to the servicer. In our business, the servicer is different from the investor, two separate uh, uh, entities. Can be the same, but, but oftentimes two separate. Forbearance, this has been talked about, um, means we're going to... Um, hold on, hold on. I have to bring that to English. Yeah. And your mortgagees again. Okay. All right. Let's assume that you were collecting rents for an investor and you would go to 10 doors every month and knock on the door. And when you got the rents, all right, you would then bring the rents to the investor and they would give you a percentage of the rents for going to collect the rents. That's the servicer. They're the ones collecting the rents, collecting actually the mortgage payments. They're taking a piece and passing it on to the investor. So that's what the servicer is. The person, the, you know, the investor doesn't want to worry about calling you if you're 15 days late. They don't want to worry about taking the checks in. They don't want to worry about any of that. So they pay yeah. someone a small piece of the deal in order for them to handle it. Sorry, David. No, you're absolutely right. So the, 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 the simplified way that Steve explained that shows you the challenge with uh, servicers. When someone goes into forbearance and doesn't make that payment, it puts tremendous stress on the servicer because they still owe the payment to the investor. Okay, sim- sim- I, so idea. in that scenario, using my example, the deal that the guy collecting the rent, the person collecting the rent made with the investor, I'll take a little extra money, but don't worry about it. I guarantee you I'll always pay you the full 10 houses worth of rent. Now, all of a sudden, some of those houses don't pay the rent. That person collecting the rent has already made an agreement with the investor. I'm going to pay you in full. But they're not getting the full payments. And now, what do I do? Right. Yeah. So so let's talk about forbearance. So we understand kind of the servicing aspect of it and what people are talking about right now. The, The first thing I would say is don't confuse forbearance with forgiveness because you uh, or your clients, if you're on here as a realtor, will have to pay it back. And the program really needs to be for those that truly need it. And I cannot stress that enough, Tom. If somebody's working, they need to make their payments for the good of the country and really the good of the housing market. And I would highly encourage you uh, to do that. So, So let's unpack forbearance just shortly and then Um, And then uh, I'll let you guys weigh in on this. The CARES Act, which was just signed into law, dictates that 
uh, federally backed mortgage can receive as many as 12 months of forbearance and will be paid back based on how the lender specifies. Now, there are things happening in the market where FHA is going to say this is how this is paid back, but this can be paid back in a couple of different ways. Um, it can be in traditional forbearance. You think about that, if you had a $1,000 mortgage payment each month and you went through three months, you'd owe that four months of back mortgage payments on the fourth month. So certainly that, that would be challenging for people. Another way uh, that, that, that it'll be uh, taken care of is think about it as a second mortgage that sits on the back of your mortgage. And when you go to sell the house, you go to refinance the house, um, you pay that off. So it, that money does not go away. Or the, the third option that's, that's certainly in this is similar to if you have escrows attached to your mortgage, you know how sometimes that will adjust uh, on year over year based on a shortage or an overage in that escrow account and your mortgage payment goes up five or $10 or a small amount. They could tack on a portion to your payment to satisfy that debt over time. So this is- a, That's this not the choice, David. I, 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 maybe I'm wrong about this. That's not the choice of the person who has taken the loan. That's the choice of the person who gave the loan. Correct. All right. So I don't want you thinking that you have three options and you have to pick one. The, 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 the option you get is going to be given to you. You're not going to be right. able to pick which one. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's why, that's why we have to, you know, get number one, get the word out there. But if you're listening to this, truly, um, reserve that for folks that need it. People that need it should take advantage of it. It's why it's there. But if we're thinking, hey, this is an opportunity to skip three months or, or you know, a portion of time of my mortgage payments, it is not for that. I want to I stress, and I know this is, um, I think it's very important that people understand we are in a very, very delicate situation right now. There are, there are men and women in every community of every person watching this now or live or in the future that know someone that can't work, lost their job, was was suddenly you know uh, furloughed or their hours were cut back. I believe this program was created for those people, right? But what we know is when you create something at this scale, that there's just going to be a lot of people that are going to take advantage of this. So so guys, what happens if people take advantage of this? What is there is there any downside? Like could like are people that actually going to need it not going to get it because someone else just wanted to not pay their mortgage for three months? I think there's two, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. The, the, the biggest challenge to this, to our business, is the, the impact on the servicers, the impact on the industry um, yeah. by, by that. And so that's why your words of if you need it, take advantage of it. If you don't continue to pay your mortgage payment, that is the most important thing to stress. And, and, and let's talk about that, you know, in layman's terms again. If the, the servicer which is that guy going around paying the rent. If they can't pay the rent to the, or pay the payments to the investor and the, the investor's demanding it, they have to somehow come up with cash. We were on another phone call last night that the three owners of the servicing company each had to come up with $2 million of their own money just to keep their company open. All right, now if they hadn't kept their company open, all those people would be laid off. So the, anyone who needs this money I, I want you to get it. I, if you need this money, that's what it's there for. But I don't know if you're, you're going to say there's a limited amount now, but what could happen if we have to go back to the well 
and get more money, there might not be any more money left in the well. So what we need to do is make sure that on this, this uh, you know, stimulus package or whatever you want to call it, that on this particular one, that money is used wisely. And pretty much the government has said, you know, we're going to make sure we're going to leave it up to you. Just be honest with us. Right. So what we need to do is stress in the community how important that is. It's not like nobody gets affected if you're taking the money. So, so fellas, I want to be clear, you know, if, if servicer, if the servicers, if they have a problem, how does that impact the homeowners? How does that impact potentially the real estate industry? I mean, be, beyond just the job loss, is there any, is there any deeper, bigger ramifications? Well, I, I, th I think that's certainly the question for our industry. And there are a, a lot of questions out there. Is there going to be relief for servicers? Are things going to happen to them? And, and as we go through this, I think that's the question that our industry will ultimately answer. Well, but what we in, know- in Another way to look at that, and I think Dave is 100% right, you know, services are, are, are praying that they get some sort of help because the government said, oh, you don't have to worry about making your payment for six months. And the service is going, that's cool, but I'm the guy collecting the rent, mm -hmm. all right? But I think that what we'd have to take a look at there is many services are also connected with a mortgage company. So like the people we were talking to yesterday, they had $6 million put in just to cover that, you know, that they're okay as a servicer. They could have been investors on $6 million worth of jumbo loans with that same money. So because they're putting the money here, they don't have it to put it someplace else. Because as a mortgage company, if there was a decent person that came in and they've done business with that company before, and they're saying, well, I need a jumbo mortgage. Well, we don't do them anymore. It'd almost be like the big bank that we're talking about if you have a lot of money in there. If you have a relationship with that mortgage lender, they might say, hey, you know what? We could get some investors together to help you with that. But if the investor money is going into just get, keeping the company running because nobody's paying their mortgage, that's one of the reasons that the, the jumbo, the, the non-Q stuff is drying up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fellas, I have two questions that, uh, that I'm just seeing here live on Facebook. One um, is, does this, it, if we have forbearance, does it impact our credit score? That's the first one. And then secondly, uh, one of our great business coaches, uh, Larry Webb, asked, um, what about impound accounts uh, like taxes and insurance? How does it work uh, if if you, you're paying that along with your mortgage? If you have forbearance there, what happens to that? So two different questions there. Yeah. My understanding on guidance uh, of, on the first question is that one of the reasons for forbearance is that it would not impact credit. Okay. So I think that was the first question is would it impact uh, credit. That's bring that to English. Yeah. Guidance means what they're saying right now, but might not necessarily be the case at the end. Yeah. All right. Is mm -hmm. that they are, they are hoping that it won't affect credit and they're trying to make that happen. We don't know that that's definitely going to happen or not, but that's what they're pushing for. Sorry, David. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the, the translator with the thing on my ear. Saying, All right. Now I got to do it a different <laughs> language. The, 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 the second question about escrows or impound accounts and, and how does that yeah. affect that? Yeah. That These things, Tom, that are coming up are questions that have to, through this, be figured out because, let's go back to the servicer, if it's not paid in, someone has to pay it. Mm -hmm. And so therein lies the challenge. And those are the things that are going to have to be figured out in this process. And that's why 
we're so passionate about using caution and being very clear that if you don't need it, don't tap it because it opens up a lot of these questions and a lot of challenges that our industry is going to have to address and face. Yeah. And, and, just and like, let's talk about the interconnection there, Tom, because yeah. that what you're talking about with taxes, the, the person asked the question, the insurance company's not good. You know, it, it still has to get their money to put insurance. But let's take a look at your, your property taxes. Those municipalities probably right now more than any other time need to collect that money. There's all sorts of challenges they're dealing with in every single community. Imagine being in New York City right now and having the tax base dropping. Imagine being in New Orleans right now and having the tax base dropping. Now, the good news on the flip side of that, that's one of the reasons the housing industry is going to bring us back. Because everyone is saying we have to build because that's what's going to bring the economy back. It's going to bring jobs. And all the local municipalities are saying, and we need the tax dollars right now. So there, there is some, you know, an awareness that's taking place right now that how valuable the housing industry is to even local economies. Absolutely. So guys, I know we, we wanted to keep this to, to 30 minutes and I, I see a bunch more questions here. So I want to just uh, touch on a couple of them. Some people are saying, no, it absolutely does not affect your credit. And, and I guess my advice to everybody is, you're always better off asking yourself, what's the worst case scenario? What is the most likely scenario? What is the best case scenario? And in times like this, right, especially for my clients out there, you hear me saying, let's assume the worst case scenario, not that we want it, mm -hmm. but then anything less than that, we can manage, we can deal with. Because if I can manage to the worst case scenario, everything else is a bonus. So I've seen the CARES Act, I was in conversations with my attorney, my CPA, my tax planner, multiple other business executives. And between Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I had a lot of mixed messages. By the time I finally got on the phone, specifically about the, uh, the payroll protection program right. with one of the leading banks, so the biggest banks in the country and their most senior person, the information that they were sharing with me said, hey, this is what you have to do and the time you got to do it. Well, the problem is none of the other banks complied with that. Right, Every, everything is moving right now. So I keep telling people it's it's hour by hour, day by day. Just make sure when you're advising people, when you're when you're talking to people, make sure you do discuss the worst case scenario is, hey, it does impact your credit score. We we're being told right now it doesn't, but what if it does? How does that change your decision? That that's that's great coaching, Tom, because the person who asked that question might know more than any of us know about it. They've done the research and it was very important to them and they're saying, no, on my thing, this is what's taking place. But what I'd be a little nervous about, that word absolutely, that word shouldn't exist in anyone's language right now no. because things are changing rapidly. And you don't wanna tell somebody something and then have to be under the pressure of saying, well, what happens if it changes? So right. I'll tell you, I'm keeping current matters. You know, that's what the name of our company. I am cursed that I name our company that. Because when you, if somebody changes their mind tomorrow, we have to put a whole new stuff out. Yeah. All right. So uh, just be a little bit careful about that word. Absolutely. And I'm not questioning that that person isn't right. They very well could be right. Yes. I, I don't know that. And but the only challenge is even if they are right, they might not be right a week from now. Bingo. And that's that's my point for the listeners, by the way. Um, I want to thank everybody that has been sharing this content, um, whether you're sharing it with uh, members of the community or you know, your, your past clients in sphere or on your own personal page or with your business pages to all of your other real estate professionals. Um, it's so important today to make sure that we get the right information out into people's heads so they can make good decisions. 
So I want to end with one last question, fellas, and then we'll do a wrap up because I know you guys have got some other insights you want to share. But a question I got a few times is, hey, so, so I own rental properties and my renters now are telling me they're not going to pay. What do I do? I think that's a great question for David. <laughs> I think David. therein lies the challenge. Therein lies the challenge. There, there is not, uh, to, to my knowledge, I, I don't know that there's a solution for that right now. All right. I'll give a little bit deeper. And I was hoping he was going to come up with something miraculous. <laughs> All right. What winds up taking place is there's so much misinformation, and I can even argue disinformation in the marketplace, that there will be some tenants that think that somehow they were relieved of that obligation. And they might have read that cheesecake, fact, cheesecake factory, decided they weren't going to pay any of their you know, landlords and all the shopping centers there are around, around the country. And, oh, I'm going to do the same thing cheesecake factory is doing. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it. The challenge that you're going to have is, and I think David covered this before, they're not going to get evicted right now because there's no judge in the land. First of all, there might not be a judge in the courthouse because he's already confined to stay home or she's confined to stay home. Uh, and if there was a judge someplace you can get in touch with, getting an eviction notice right now is going to be really tough. And the, and the, the tenant would know that. The tenant would understand that. What I think that you have to do is build a relationship because I own several rental properties myself. They're on the commercial side, but it's not that much different. What they have to understand is if they don't pay the rent, doesn't mean they don't owe you the rent. So it might be better to, you know, be uh, understanding of their situation and say, all right, let's work something out until you're back. And then it's almost like the bank saying, are we going to get, and you could give them three options. Are we going to now take an extra $200 a month? I don't know what the rent is, an extra $200 a month for six months after the four months you get, you know, free. So we make up for that. You almost have to work like the government's working saying, what do we need to do right now? The other thing I would, I might do if I was a landlord on, on residential property, just like I'm doing on the business side, on the business side, I'm working with my tenants to say, all right, what that's there. If you, you know, you're, you're losing money. I get it. What is invo- involved in the care situation on small business loans? And I'm helping them find that information. All right. And the same thing that could exist with someone in one of your rental property, residential rental properties, maybe it's time to help that person in that time, but Maybe a good thing to do would be for both of you would be to help that person realize that they can get some things that they might not realize they could have gotten. Yeah. David, any, any closing thoughts on that? Now that Steve shared a few more. No, I, I, I think that perspective is right on. Um, and I think adopting the mentality, all of us saying, how do we come together? And you're seeing so many people come together, but what Steve said is how, how do we look at people that we may be landlords for and say, how do we work through this? How do we get through this? Versus looking at it either on the mortgage side or, or, or the other side of, hey, let's take advantage of a program that we might not really need. So I think it's, it's got to be individually based and based on need. I agree. Well, gentlemen, this has been very helpful. And uh, you know, each week we've been jumping on here and sharing with people. Um, just kind of closing thoughts or statements between now and next Friday, like, uh, you know, maybe we'll, I'll, I'll go with David first. David, sure. sort of closing thoughts for the industry, closing thoughts for consumers that are watching this because their agent shared it with them. Um, just give us your closing thoughts. Absolutely. I mean, you know, so keeping current matters, Steve mentioned on the front end, we are looking, our research and content team is working daily to update things. I mean, forecast and things right now are shifting. One of the things, Tom, that we've done 
uh, a lot together is talk about GDP and this talk about recession. And, and while we see that forecasted in normal markets quarterly or uh, you, you know, annually, we're seeing that revised right now at the week basis. And so I think next week, being able to talk about what is the latest, what are experts saying, the question on everybody's mind right now, and one that we're working hard to bring research to is, what's, what impact right now is unemployment uh, going to have, not only on, our, on the housing uh, industry, but in our world? And starting to take a look at that, we know that the last two weeks we've seen massive uh, shoot up in unemployment. And so those are the, some of the things that we're looking at um, right now. And I think we'll have a really good handle on next week to be able to give uh, some, some perspective on that and really some, some of what the experts are saying, this is what we're, we're gonna see. And I like what David's saying, the, cause I'm gonna just jump right on back of that. 10 million people got laid off in the oh, jobless claims in the last two weeks. 10 million people, all right? If you haven't seen that graph, we'll bring it to you next Friday because when you see it, it's like, wow, compared to his historical averages, all right? And today we got almost a little bit of false news. Well, the unemployment rate is only 4.4. That doesn't really sound that bad. The only thing is they do the survey on March 12th. So the 4.4 was from you know, the middle of February to the middle of March. That, that was really the time they were talking about. The next one's going to be, ah, if I had to pick a word, horrific. Yeah. Now, we're doing that because the, obviously it is a horrible time for anyone who's losing their job. I'm not saying that. But we're doing the research to say, well, what impact is that actually going to have on housing? And I will tell you this. We needed two things in order to do that. What are the projections? What are the, the experts projecting unemployment to be over the next several quarters? And the second thing we needed to do is do the research on, and historically, if an interest rate goes up, do if a, a unemployment rate goes up, do sales actually go down and vice versa? And this is what I'll tell you. On the first piece, what the projections are, they're looking a little bit tough. On the second piece, you know what? There is no symbiotic relationship. And I'd love to share that with your people next week. Excellent. Well, I appreciate it. So again, for all my friends out there, uh, thank you for, uh, for sharing this information, for getting in front of as many people as possible. Uh, remember now more than ever, what's going on up here really matters, right? Try and stay out of that right side of your brain where fear and anxiety and stress lives, unless you're experiencing the joy and the happiness, because that's there as well. Let's make sure we keep it on the left side with the data, with the facts. So we're making good decisions, not just for ourselves and our family and our, our closest friends, but also for our customers, right? Now more than ever, we need to be the trusted advisors in our communities and bring them good information, the facts and the data. So, all right, gentlemen, I appreciate you so much. I know I'll talk to you a bunch between now and next Friday for everybody else. Absolutely. Safety first, keep your business moving forward. And remember always, right? Make sure you're doing the things that keep your business alive to support customers. We'll see you guys soon. Take care. Bye-bye guys. Take care. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.